It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on VolQuest. Good Thursday, everybody, and welcome into the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast with Rob Lewis, Austin Price, Brent Hubs. I'm Eric Kane. It's the Smoky Mountain Organics Mailbag Podcast, three locations right here in East Tennessee, including one in Knoxville, 8018 Kingston Pike, across the street from the Trader Joe's. And, of course, you can buy online at the website at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. Subscribe and follow VolQuest on YouTube. When we post something there, you will be notified, and uh, that's, the, that's the place to go to for all that information. All right, got a full bank of questions. We'll start with all Vol recruiting. What's up with J.P. Estrella? Any other big men in the 2023 class that uh, Tennessee has a good shot with? Any running backs the staff is keeping an eye on this fall past Robinson, Austin Price? Um. As far as running backs, we'll see what happens with Roderick Robinson. Um, you know, what will we'll, we'll Tennessee do there? I'm not closing the door totally on Deshaun Bishop. You know, could Tennessee potentially come back around there in the fall? We'll see. Again, a lot of it depends on where they're at and what they do. I, I said on the board on uh, Tuesday, I fully expect Tennessee to add to this uh, current roster with a uh, grad transfer tailback, Marquis Stepp is the name from Nebraska kid originally signed with Southern Cal a couple of years ago. Um, that's the potential ad. And it just boils down to Tennessee can't stay, uh, you know, they're not super deep there. They're, they're fairly thin, especially on experience. And a guy like Laneith Whitehead just simply can't stay healthy. Uh, JP Estrella. I mean, I, I think he really likes Tennessee, but I also think, I mean, he's had a fantastic summer. I mean, he's, he's gone for a three-star to, you know, a top 50 player, um, you know, the span of a few months. And I just think it's, it's, it's going to be tough for Tennessee. You know, he, he's from Maine, goes to prep school in New Hampshire. You know, distance is not in their favor and he's just blown up. I mean, I, I'm, I still think he likes Tennessee. I think Tennessee is, is a factor. They were in early. I think they benefit from the fact that they, you know, were one of the first to really offer him and go hard. But now, you know, when, when Kansas offers you, when Duke offers you, it, it changes the game. We'll go to a couple here from Ath Run. Uh, Brent, Tennessee, does it have a realistic chance with Boo Carter? Of course, pretty much every school in the country is, uh, you know, looking at him both offensively and defensively. Tennessee likes him at defensive back, but a realistic chance of Boo Carter. I mean, they got to get him on campus more, I think. And, and Austin, I'll defer to, to you here. I mean, that you – you know, as much as that, I mean, it was a big deal to get him here for that last camp that they had, but they've got to get him back because Boo Carter's going to be a guy, in my opinion, Austin, that takes a lot of trips and sees a lot of places. Um, and, and is Tennessee going to be in his rotation of schools to see, or was that kind of a one-time thing? He says good things about Tennessee, but I think for Tennessee to get deep into that one, you're going to need to see Boo Carter on campus more than just one camp visit and, you know, at the end of the camp season in June, they need to get him back multiple times. Well, and he's, you know, again, supposed to be coming this weekend. So if he arrives this weekend, that's two times in 30 days, which is good. And, you know, which is good. And then you get him back for a big game this fall, you know, Florida game into September. Um, you know, I think that that's the, that that's important. Um, you know, in my opinion, um, but I'm with you. I think the more they get him to campus, the the stronger their chances are of landing Boo Carter, uh, you know, go up. On that note, I know you mentioned some of the war room, but um, 
prospects you guys know, any any new names or anything committed, uncommitted, who plan to be uh, here on campus this weekend? I know Jane Davis is going with his teammates. I feel like five of his teammates are going up to Michigan. Um, so uh, he, he won't be here. He had told Tennessee he was coming, but then that got shifted around. Um, you know, and then Tennessee will have a bunch of like John Slaughter, Sean Davion Bradley, a bunch of those guys will be here this weekend. So, you know, um, I, the one that is most interesting to me is does Tennessee get Tavion Gadsden here, the uh, defensive lineman? To me, that's a big one if they can get him to campus. All right, we'll finish up here with Athron. Latest on uh, Devin Hobbs and Jordan Matthews, defensive tackle and cornerback. Uh, Hobbs, I uh, don't believe he's coming in this weekend. Um, I still feel like Tennessee's is is starting uh, to get some momentum there. Um, would I call them the leader? No. But would I say that they are way more of a factor now than they were two, three weeks ago? Absolutely. The fact he didn't, uh, decided to push off his commitment it's great news for Tennessee, and uh, the more you have a chance to have dialogue with him and everything, the better. So, um, again, I think they're, um, they were dead in the water uh, three weeks ago. I no longer call them dead in the water. They're swimming. Um, and so we'll see how much they can continue to swim uh, and if they can find their way out of the water. Uh, and then as for um, Jordan Matthews, uh, Tennessee and Texas, I expect him to pull the trigger sometime between – the first week of August and the third week of August. I think he's coming off the board before his high school season starts. It's Tennessee and Texas, and it is not done one way or the other, but I do feel like Tennessee has started to trend well there. I was going to – before we – I just – AP, why no LSU? It just seems so weird. Uh, LSU kind of botched it. They botched it early on. Uh, they tried to recover and then botched it again. Uh, Dad played there, um, but, you know – I haven't talked to both sides. I just don't, I, you know, I'm not saying that you never say never in recruiting, um, but I think they'll have to really find a way to recover big time if they're going to get back in there with him. I don't think this is something that they use. If, you know, remember how it felt with Randall Cobb, um, you know, was appreciative, but didn't just, it, it's kind of similar here. Like, I'm not saying that, you know, he won't come take a visit or, or give him a look, but, it just doesn't feel that way to me um, at all. And I think that if they felt that way, if they felt like LSU uh, stood a chance of trying to climb back in it, they probably would not be trying to pull the trigger sometime uh, over the next three weeks. We'll go to Sam Smith, 22-33, Brent Hubs. Which Jimmy makes a bigger impact this year, Holiday or Callaway? And I think – I don't know how you'll answer, but, I mean, until Jimmy Callaway does something, I'm going to say Holiday because I think he's going to return kicks. I'm going to say Jimmy Holiday, um, and that's not. I don't. I'm not trying to slight Jimmy Callaway, but but I think Holiday is um, has shown me that he's a little bit feels a little bit more competitive, you know, um, willing to do some things. We, we've seen him make a couple of plays offensively, and, and certainly seen him do some things in, in the return game. Um, I, I think Jimmy Holiday has showed a bit of a skill set that Callaway has not. And the question is, who does Callaway beat out at the receiver spot to, to get into that rotation there? Is he going to play the slot? Is he going to be that Jalen Hyatt? Uh, who else is going to be in that slot? What else are they going to look like there? I, I think this is a really big fall camp, really big preseason camp uh, for, for Jimmy Callaway. Um, do, do I think it's, un, you know, should they have shut him out kind of the way they did after the Florida game? I don't know about that. I know he was playing prior to that, but um, I, I just think, you know, when you look at where they are depth-wise right now, 
and, and the competition they've got there. I, I just think this is he, he does not need to be in the ice tub, you know, or the whirlpool. He needs to stay healthy and he needs to be productive in this fall camp. He's out of the two, he's actually, you know, he's he's found the end zone. Um, but the facts are that neither one of them has done very much in their time on campus. But as Eric pointed out, the ability to return kicks, he was the up man a year ago, shown some flashes uh, when they didn't want to kick to Bayless. I think he's going to be the guy that gets the call, definitely on kicks, maybe even on punts. Um, but Jimmy Holiday is a little bit bigger than Jimmy Callaway. And uh, I think that's that, that probably benefits him. I, I honestly, if Jimmy Callaway goes through fall camp hubs, and is a non-factor, I'd love to see them flip him the defense because I do think he can help them. Yeah, he's a really good athlete. And, and this is kind of a, a sidebar here while we're kind of on the returners. And that's one of the positions that we need to kind of figure out as camp goes on is who's going to be returning kicks. Um, but as much as we mentioned Jimmy Holiday, I think, you know, D. Williams, he didn't play much of a factor at corner in spring, didn't hear much buzz about him. I know everything was new to him, but he was a dynamic returner in junior college. And so I'm intrigued to see – if he gets a look at returning kicks as well, along with uh, Jimmy Holiday. Did, did they actually do anything in spring, though? I mean, think about it, the orange and white game was a, whatever that was. And, I mean, yeah. I mean, there was no, no, nobody in the secondary was healthy. So, I mean, I, I don't want to judge D. Williams right, wrong, or indifferent off anything they do in spring because I just didn't feel like they – I think they just kind of did a lot of individual work. Well, well yeah, and, and, and plus, too, I mean, it was brand new to him. I mean, it's, it's hard to judge anybody off 10 practices and a couple of scrimmages, too, so – yeah, and I think Rob, when you look at this team in the return game, you got you got two questions. One, do you have do you have great competition because you've got you got some great potential athletes there, or do you have a bunch of sack of potato? You have a sack of potatoes, you know, at that position. I don't think we know. I think there's good athletes, but I, I you know. You can be the best athlete in the world, but but that's a skill set to return kicks, to feel it, to understand it. Um, I mean, you know, in that group that's going to get a look, who can really, you know, who has that skill set, I think is intriguing to watch and and is a big storyline for this team on special teams because that's the only storyline on special teams. Everything else is settled. Uh, but there's some hidden yards there Tennessee took advantage of last year with Valus Jones. The question is, can they find those this year? Oh, and I was going to – you stole my line. that You, know, you kind of just poo-poo it or paper over it. You know, who's, who's going to return kicks? Uh, who cares? Just don't fumble it. Don't muff it. But you're right. I mean, Tim, Valus Jones was a weapon the past couple of years. I mean, really, I mean, delivered some huge plays in return game. And I mean, you talk about a skill set. We've been fortunate to see, you know, two guys in the last 10 years in, in, in Velas Jones and, and Evan Berry, who, I mean, you see it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not all about, it's not about 40 time. It's not about, you know, being elusive. I mean, there's just something about the vision and, and the feel for being able to do it and, and it's it's a it's a rare thing and then yeah, before I mean, that think of, you guys think of, yeah th think about the last three proven you know real kick returners not guys that they're just kind of throwing back there you, you got barry you got Vela jones and, and you got the guy that nobody will kick to in the nfl and cordero patterson yep. um who just had a knack who had a feel for it so you, you know you got two options. You can fair catch everything. And this was my frustration last year with Vela Jones. I thought he fair caught too much. I, I mean, I'm letting him bring it out. If his, if his, if his heels are at the goal line, he was bringing it out for me. Cause I thought his chances of getting past the 25 were worth the risk because of his skill set. Now, if you don't have a guy that you feel very comfortable with, look, man, you put a guy back there and just fair catch it and play it at the 25, same thing in the punt return game. So we'll see if anybody emerges there with great dynamics. And wasn't it 2020 whenever Tennessee returned like 
four punts all year long. They fair caught literally everything. Uh, but when you have a guy back there to do it, then it, it makes all the difference in the world. Uh, this is for anybody. I'll start it off. Tennessee needs a fourth and one stop. Which two defensive tackles do they send out on the field? Fourth and one, I would say Amari Thomas and Elijah Simmons. I'm going to go Amari Thomas and DJ DeJon Terry. I, I think I agree with Hubbard, but I, if it, it would be great for Tennessee if Elijah Simmons was the other guy they sent out there, if he plays himself to, to that position. I think a lot of those guys are kind of similar and interchangeable, so I don't think there's a wrong answer of anybody that said an answer. Yeah, I do agree with that. Last one, Rob, if Cal did not take over the Edwards recruitment, is Edwards of all? Yeah, I, I don't really know that this – I don't know that it was necessarily Cal taking it over necessarily. I think Kentucky really just came, you know, besides Cal, just a full-court press with the whole staff. And I think one of the big things um, back, you know, from the start – was that he just felt like more of a priority for Tennessee. I believe when he, when he made his official visit to Kentucky way back last November, he came on a weekend when they had a, they had a home basketball game. Um, and my impression in, in talking to him and some other people was that he, he felt like he was on the periphery. Like he wasn't really a focus. It was more about, you know, all, all about getting ready for the game and, and the current team. And, and he was just kind of, on the outside looking in as opposed he also came to Tennessee on a game weekend uh, during conference play. And I, I think was, he and his family felt much more included, much more prioritized. And I, and I just think Kentucky overcame that over time. I mean, I, I, it's, I mean, when you, when you lose a kid to Kentucky and basketball recruiting, it's not an upset. Yeah. Uh, here's from volunteer at 87, removing Nico from the conversation. You're an OC. What's your top three big board look like at that, at that position? Nelson Moore and uh, of course Arch Manning. Um, I would go uh, Dante Moore. Then I would go Malachi Nelson, and then I'd go Arch Manning. I think this class is so deep. There's no much like we said a minute ago. There's no wrong answers. I mean, you legitimately could take. You know, I mean, Bama's got what the ninth and tenth ranked quarterbacks in the country. And both those dudes in another year would be top five. I mean, like, you know, they would be, they would be right there, top three to five, in my opinion. So this is just such a deep class. I mean, it's such a deep. I, I wonder what we look like when we look back three to four years from now, how many of those guys are entering the NFL draft or are returning for another year and are household names. I, I think when you look back, they're going to write about this class. Yep. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a really good class. I mean, I, I think I've said this. I think Arch is probably mentally further along than the rest of those guys. Now, maybe that's a bad assumption, uh, but but I, I think that you know he's got some mental development that's probably a little bit ahead of those guys, making him a little bit more ready now right. to play. Um, but in terms of upside, I mean that that's that's a sack of potatoes of really talented guys. That's true. Rob Lewis two in this podcast that's not a bad sack of potatoes that's a that's a that's a that's a good bag of bacon potatoes right there because i'm with i'm with austin i mean i think when you look at this group a year ago the the the, the, the quarterback class was okay i think this has cycled up into being a really good class and we've seen other years where you had austin two guys kind of duking it out to be the number one guy but legitimately you got five guys here you know four or five guys in this class that 
Uh, if they stay healthy, I think they've got a chance. It's got a chance to be one of the deepest quarterback classes we've seen. Well, I think that when we look back, you know, I, I'm going to fast forward us 30 years. You know, when we look back 20 to 30 years from now, they could do a 30 for 30 on this class and how they translated to the NFL. And they're Whoa. talking about, you know, how we all competed against each other. Then we went to college and competed against each other. Now we're in the NFL, competed against each other. And we've been duking it out, you know, the four or five, six of us, maybe even more than that for a long time. And, and, and part of the reason why this class is this way too is they're coming, you're coming out of the cycle where you didn't get to go through seven on sevens and you didn't get to, to see guys, you know, because of the COVID stuff. So there's a lot more hype around these guys just because you're, you know, you went from seeing them as a freshman basically or, or heading into their sophomore year to their senior year. There's a big jump in, in development there uh, and, and a big jump in, in growth there. So um, I, I do, you know, I, I think this class has got a chance to be pretty, pretty dynamic, pretty special at the quarterback position. Everybody listening right now is shouting and saying, well, where would you have Nico Austin of the four right now? Where would you, where would you place Nico? Oh, I'd put him number one. All right. I think he, I think he and Dante Moore had the most upside of the, of any of the quarterbacks. I think Nelson and Manning are the two most polished guys uh, in the class. So like right now, if you're just saying just right now, I would say Nelson Manning are the most polished, but that's not how this is done from a ranking standpoint or from any, you know, projection standpoint, you're projecting who's going to be. Yeah. Um, and so I would take Nico and Dante Moore. One more from volunteer at 87, Rob, the current renovations taking place at Thompson bowling arena. What's the the plan for TBA and, and Brent, uh, you, you, you know, this as well, kind of moving forward. Hover, I don't, they're not tearing anything down right now. Or at least what Danny White, I guess, maybe wants to do in the future. Uh, I mean, I, I know what Rick Barnes would like to do is put not necessarily a concourse, but and, – and again, I, I, this is him spitballing. I don't think anything like this is, is in the works or, or planned for, but to have some kind of like some open air, like a seating area inside the arena that had like tables and, you know, maybe some vending stuff that was – that would be – probably behind the baskets on on either end um we didn't really call it a concourse but, carnival um, you got a carnival with candy <laughs> apples bobbing for apples uh, <laughs> a, a, a dunk pit a, a dunk tank for, for ap but there's i mean i don't i don't think anything huge is going on in there unless if it is i'm just blindsided i mean they did a big big locker room renovation within the past couple of years that that place is a showpiece uh, downstairs. Yeah. I think there's two things with Danny. One, the area where the coaches' offices are now, which is a street level entrance well, into Thompson Bowling Arena. There's there's been some talk there about turning that into um, a, a premium area, not seating there, but they would you would do premium uh, food and and kind of a club level there that would that it's, would come out into into that basic bottom bowl level at Thompson bowling arena. It's it's for pe for people that for people that enter the arena. Like if you park in G10 and in the arena through, through that gate underneath, you saw this year behind the black curtains, they set up, you know, something like that where they had, they, they cordoned off an area. They had high top tables and a bunch of TVs and, and wait, you know, wait staff and, and, and a bar and, and heavy hors d'oeuvres. I think that Danny white would like to move that up to, to the area where Hubbard's talking about and Rick Barnes would be totally fine with moving to coaches offices into Pratt Pavilion, which is where he spends 
90 percent of his time anyway yeah i know dan i know danny white feels like the corners in thompson bowling arena are, are some wasted space that could be better used and and one of the things to better using that is is for premium areas you know because that's how you pay for a lot of things I think season ticket sales in basketball are going to be really interesting to to take a look at this fall uh, to see where that's at because so many of those premium so many of those season ticket sales in basketball for years have been tied to your football donation and obviously that's not the case with the restructuring. So what does that season ticket number look like? Because to get a basketball season ticket, you're going to make a donation strictly to basketball as opposed to saying, hey, I'm giving you know, whatever five-figure donation is for football, and I want my two basketball tickets and parking pass with it. That's a big structure change there uh, that will be uh, something to keep an eye on in terms of how many basketball season tickets are sold. And, Hubbard, I don't know about you, but talking – I mean, I know you you know a ton of people, talk to a ton of people, old-school old veteran fans that I have talked to this summer, they're a little more miffed at, at the basketball increases in donations and the way the tickets have been tweaked than they were in football. I don't know if that's just – you know, people that I've spoken to, but that's seems to be the majority. Well, and so many of those guys feel like that, you know, they were, you know, grandfathered into that. And, and again, they were getting, they were getting basketball tickets with their football donation. And now there's separation there. And, um, you know, that Tennessee's left a lot of money on the table for a long time because of that, particularly when they've been good in basketball, there are some years where they weren't good in basketball. They weren't going to make any money doing it that way. Uh, but what they, where they've been the last, you know, a few years and certainly in the Pearl era, if those had been donations for those basketball season tickets, they would have generated more revenue. And that's something that obviously Danny White's talked about and talked about um, in early July when he released their, their five-year model and their five-year plan. Right, here's a really good question from coach underscore 93. Austin, what's the benefit of taking an official in the summer over an official in the fall? One would think recruits would want to be on hand for a game day environment's uh, for their official visit coaches would much rather them come in the summer or in december spend more time with the kids coaches aren't kids aren't sliding in here sideways after they play on friday nights I mean, if you think about it like let's say nico won't take his official visit plays on friday night takes a red eye lands in knoxville is dog tired then you're expecting him to like have you know, energy all day to make it through a 3.30 or 7 o'clock game. Then Sunday you spend time with him and you put him right back on an airplane because they got to be back, you know, uh, in, in town for, for school and practice on Monday. Like you just – you want to maximize your time. And that's why most coaches prefer official visits either in the summer, which, again, a few years ago coaches were like, I don't want to do these summer visits. And now they're like, this is better than the football season. The goal of most coaches is to get kids to campus unofficially during the football season. That way you don't have to use your official. So because you're just not you want to maximize time. That's the, the biggest thing. Well, and it's become the trend to come off the board before August gets here. Yes. If you if you wait, if you wait and bring a guy in for an official visit in September, you may never see him because he's he's committed elsewhere you know, in the month of July or August. I mean, kids, get, for whatever reason, and I don't know, Rob, why this shift is taking place. Maybe it's just because it's the early signing day. But, I mean, the trend is get it done and be done before you ever step foot on your high school field for your senior season um, and not have to deal with it in December. And 
that's why you got to. I mean, that's why you got to bring them in if you're if you're schools, because if you don't, you're not going to get a chance to recruit them. Yeah, and I think it's also part of a part of it is the recruiting process starts so much earlier. Yeah, for these kids too. I mean, it's not it's not like they're making hasty, rush decisions. I mean, they've they've been anybody that is good enough to play at this level and commit to you know SEC school has been taking unofficial visits probably since after his freshman year. I mean, T Lander's been here six times. Yeah, yeah. which was just. Just a different animal from what it was even 10 years ago. Yeah, very much so. Good point. Rob, let's stay with you. Are the Vols involved with 2024 Curtis Givens Jr.? Uh, he has a close relationship with Kennedy Chandler. Uh, involved. I don't know how involved. I mean, it's a guy that they're looking at. Um, not somebody that that I would put as, as a top-shelf target right now. But, I mean, he's – I guess you could throw him on the board. But, um, man, they're involved with – most of the 2024 you know guards and, and not most of them it's too early because this could change drastically but a lot of kids in the carolinas uh because of justin Ganey's ties over there a lot of good players a few uh who we wrote about in the last few weeks um after being over to rock hill but that 2024 board in, in any board two years out in basketball is pretty fluid this is a really good question i saw this uh prior to uh, recording the podcast, we go around the room. Uh, Deshaun 13 rank the defensive units from top to bottom defensive line, linebackers, corners, and then safeties. Um, I'm grouping obviously the edge and the defensive line. I would go one defensive line, two safeties, just because you know what you got there, three probably linebackers, and then four corners. And I understand you've got a lot of options at corner now, but uh. That's a good question, but I would go linebackers. Or sorry, I would go defensive line, safeties, linebackers, then corner. How would you go, Brent? Well, if you're putting if you're putting the edge guys on the defensive line, then then I'm going to say defensive line. Obviously, they're replacing Matthew Butler in the middle, but but I would go defensive line as well. Um, after that, if they you know, I don't think they're great at linebacker. I mean, I know what you got at safety, but th those guys just have to play better. I mean, they've got to play better than they did a year ago. Um, I, I might go linebackers over the def over the safeties. And for me, corners last because I, I just don't know who's going to play it. I mean, I think Kamal Haddon can be a solid corner. Um, I have no idea who's going to play the other. Warren Burrell did not play very well at the end of last year. He's going to have to step up his game. Outside of that, who are the corners on this roster? Is Turnage a corner? Is Turnage a corner? Is Christian Charles a corner? What do they get out of Williams? There's just there's so many questions at corner and so many unknowns. They could be real thin there, or they could have some depth there. Just depends on where they decide where to put people, and and that changes the outlook at corner a bit as well. But right now, that would be kind of how I would rank them. We got Rob. Yeah, I mean I'm. I would you EC that I would definitely put the defensive line and the um, and the edge guys number one just because you got some experience there, you got some pretty tantalizing talent in in, in Byron Young. I guess I'll go linebackers. And I, I guess I, I mean I'll probably follow Hubbard's lead. I would definitely put corners last simply because you don't have a clue about what you've got and whoever I mean in linebacker at safety. Lover, can I say sack of potatoes? Can I, if you, <laughs> you can. That, you, nope, you can get your third reference in. 
You can get to the third uh, reference. So, I mean, I, I mean, I, in both both spots, linebacker, you know, inside linebacker, safety. You got you got guys who have played a lot of football, and I guess maybe you could argue that James or Jeremy Banks is, you know, maybe an upper tier guy there. But you just don't have a lot of playmakers, difference makers in in the middle of the defense, in my opinion. All right, awesome. Price. We'll move on. Wide receiver recruiting. An update on Devin Hyatt's, Aiden Williams, and Traylon Ray. Um, I don't think there's not a whole lot going on with any of them. Um, I mean, I think Traylon Ray may take a visit in season. Aiden Williams says he's going to, and then I'm not heard anything on Devin Hyatt. We'll move on to Sharon. What do you expect from Julian Phillips this year, Rob? What are the reports on him this summer? A uh, really good player. Um, I mean, he's going to make an impact. He's going to play a lot of minutes. I don't know if he'll start out of the gate, but he's going to play 20 plus minutes a game. But um, I mean, we Tennessee fans should be used to seeing five-star freshmen come in here and, and they're just not. And I mean, unless you're, you know, Paolo Bancaro or Jabari Smith, you're, you're not going to dominate. You're going to be a really good player. You're going to be a piece of the puzzle. Um, I, I would say Julian is probably a little more polished than Keon coming in. And since he doesn't, play on the ball since he doesn't have the ball in his hands all the time I don't know that he's going to make the impact that Kennedy did last year but uh he's a dynamic athlete he can do a lot of things coaches like his work ethic he's going to play a bunch he's going to be a big piece of the puzzle he's going to be an impact player not going to be a superstar in year one in my opinion all right we'll go to iHeart balls now that the NCAA has spoken what is your opinion of uh, of how former's uh, departure was handled compared to your opinion the day of the press conference Brent well, my my whole thing with the former departure was I mean, they'd hired a search firm before he officially resigned. So, I mean, you know, it, it's calling it a, re, a resignation or a retirement. And, and I, I think I think Coach Fulmer had a little bit of maybe second thoughts after saying, hey, let's go ahead and make a move. I'm going to step down and maybe decided he didn't want to step down. And I think that's why there was um, that was a little bit of awkwardness. Um, at that press conference, I will say this: Philip Fulmer's name is not anywhere listed in the notice of allegations. It does no. it doesn't show up in there a, a, at all. So, um, you know, obviously there was a little bit of a timing. It sounded like there was some timing issues on when he decided to depart and when Tennessee decided to go looking for an AD. Another part of this question: Assuming all of the four and five star players who left after Pruitt's uh, left the program uh, were involved with the violations. Were they encouraged by the administration to find new schools, or was there a genuine effort to keep any of them? All those guys were going to have to make restitution if they were going to stay. If somebody, if somebody was on this team last year who was involved in taking something, they were going to have to make restitution to be on the field for Tennessee. Now, some of those guys who left, who spoke to the NCAA, Austin got immunity, you know, and 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 got you know, admonished or whatever. But if you were going to stay, and some did, those guys had to make restitution for whatever financial violation uh, was created. Otherwise, Tennessee would have been playing an ineligible athlete. That's correct. Um, You know, so, I mean, most of those guys could have stayed had they wanted to. As Hub said, they would have had to, you know, paid restitution. But they chose to leave on their own. They were not not encouraged to leave. Most of them – you know, made the decision on their own or were encouraged by no one at Tennessee, but by others um, to, to, to get out of town. All right, we'll get to a few more here. We'll go to Vol Apps. Talk to us about Brandon Turnage 
He seemed to be the most athletic defensive back that Tennessee had, was forced to start one game, and uh, he was a defensive player of the week. What's holding him off the field, uh, Brent Hubbs? Theo Jackson did last year. Yeah. I mean, Turnage hadn't worked at corner. Um, he was uh, he was the nickel guy, and he wasn't going to play ahead of Theo Jackson. Theo Jackson erased so many mistakes and, and cleaned up so many messes back there. That That's what – that's why Brandon Turnage didn't didn't get on the field because they were going to keep Theo Jackson on the field because of everything he did for Tennessee. Now the question is, can Turnage play? You know, see the nickel this fall. Is that going to be turn time? Is I mean, you know, the, the the transfer from Georgia Tech. Does Turnage work at corner? That goes back to the previous question that, that they're asking about ranking guys. You just don't know who's going to play corner for this team. That's going to be because none of them went through spring. They didn't sort any of that stuff out. So we'll see what that looks like here 10 days into fall camp. E underscore Shaper 92 with Mohan missing so much time. He missed all of spring. Do you think Herring has a better chance of seeing the field in a reserve role? Uh, Austin Price. Ah. Uh. We'll see. I mean, I think a lot of that determines on fall camp. You know, um, you know, I I don't want to get too far out there without you know without seeing it. I mean, I mean, we just saw so little in the spring, and you know, you know. So when you look at like the depth of the position, you know, we'll see. All right, and then finally, uh, another question about the twenty twenty three uh, recruits who are going to be here on this weekend. Awesome, real quick, just give us a rundown. What, what's this weekend look like on Saturday night for for this barbecue? Remember. Jack Luttrell committed at this thing this time last year. Yeah, I mean, again, I think the, the, go back to the list that we had in the war room. Not all those guys are going to make it in. Um, you know, the biggest thing to me is, is, you know, I don't believe Hobbs is going to make it in, but you never know. I do not believe Stanton or Mill is going to make it in, but I don't think that has any bearing on his decision. Um, you know, and, and, you know, there's a guy like Tavion Gadsden make it in. You know, that that's that's, you know, to me – as important a player as anybody, just because you need help on the D line. He's a guy you're recruiting uh, and have a shot at. So, you know, to me, that's where Tennessee's got to get better. You look at you know, the next three that potentially come off the board one way or the other, whether it's to Tennessee or not, are two corners and an offensive lineman. After that, I think the attention has got to turn to the interior part of the defensive line. And that's why, you know, somebody like Gadsden is important. I know Austin, we're about out of time here, and, and this is not a mailbag question, but I'm going to ask anyway. So this is Brent underscore Hubs with a logged mailbag question here for the podcast. Is, is is this is this a bigger weekend for Tennessee recruiting-wise because of guys going elsewhere than yes. it is necessarily guys coming to town? When you talk about Ricky Gibson and you talk about Jordan Matthews and those types of things, is the recruiting storyline more about what those guys do on the other visits than it is necessarily who's coming to town this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I mean, Ricky Gibson um, going to be at Georgia coming up Saturday, and then Jordan Matthews is supposed to be at Texas today. And so he has not taken an official visit to Texas, but I still think he's coming off the board sometime in the next uh, – a week and a half to three weeks. I was going to say, uh, I skipped over this question by accident, but someone wants to know, can Texas seal that thing right now? I mean, could he come out in the next couple of days and, and commit to Texas or would it be, no, they can move the needle and he'll still, you know, in a couple of weeks, you'll make his call or whatever. Yeah. I think that's what you're, I think that's what you're looking at. If, if Texas, I don't see him committing in the next two to three days now. Okay. Plenty of stuff to get into. We got a massive recruiting weekend coming up uh, for those on campus. And of course, like they just mentioned, uh, those out of campus will uh, be talking to some kids, get up stories on ballquest.com, fall camp, 
It begins on Sunday with Media Day, so there's no better time to subscribe to the VolQuest YouTube channel right now. Every time a video is posted, you will be notified. A big thank you to Smoky Mountain Organics. You can shop online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com or visit one of the three locations in East Tennessee, 8018 Kingston Pike. That's the one right here in Knoxville. For Rob Lewis, awesome price, Brent Hubs. I'm Eric Kane. Thank you so much for hanging out with us here today and submitting your questions for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. Have a good rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest.